This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We're talking about some what I consider to be explosive documents that Judicial Watch revealed this week or maybe it was 10 days ago. And it talked about how uh, it was documents from the Defense Intelligence Agency and it revealed that the U.S. government saw ISIS coming and liked it. And um, I, there were several documents here. I'm going to read you uh, an excerpt from this first document about ISIS, and then I'm going to shift gears and talk about uh, Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, Libya, because Judicial Watch got this stuff through a lawsuit relating to Benghazi, try to get the truth about Benghazi, and also is reporting that, based on these documents, they the administration also saw the attack on Ambassador Stevens coming in Benghazi. And I, I go a little bit deeper on that one, too. And I'm going to get into that. But let me just wrap this other one up by reading an excerpt from it. And you can also go to my website. Uh, it says... It's under a subheading that's called the future assumptions of the crisis. And then it says development. This is another subheading development of the current events into a proxy war between, I guess it said that the, the, uh, the Assad regime was backed by China, Russia and Iran, and that, that we and our allies back opposition forces. So they are supporting the, uh, whatever, the internationally recognized leader of a sovereign country, and we support the opposition forces that are trying to overthrow that guy. So this is what it says. Opposition forces are trying to control the eastern areas of Syria adjacent to the western Iraqi provinces of Mosul and Anbar. Western countries, the Gulf states, and Turkey are supporting these efforts. This will help prepare safe havens under international sheltering. So these opposition forces are given safe haven by us and our allies. Then it goes on to say, if the situation unravels there, there is a possibility of establishing a declared or undeclared Salafist principality in eastern Syria. A Salafist principality is the Salafists are the like radical Islamist sect that rules Saudi Arabia and the most oppressive regime I'm aware of. Principalities like a government. So a, a Salafist principality in eastern Syria. And this is the crazy quote from this art from this government document this is exactly what the supporting powers that means us and uh, our allies uh, the supporting powers to the opposition want in order to isolate the syrian regime it goes on to say isi which i believe is defined in the document as islamic state in iraq could also declare an islamic state through its union with other terrorist organizations in iraq and syria and that will create grave danger in regard to unifying iraq and the protection of its territory so this this is saying that they see uh, all of this happening. They can see the Salafist principality, whatever the Islamic State, destabilizing Iraq, and and they out and out say that they support some of these efforts 
for the purpose of unseating Assad. And uh, I have uncovered for you many times in the past that it has been a, a, a multi-decade goal of the West to break Iraq into three pieces. So so this isn't a warning. This is a bonus, you know, of if these guys are all on the same page. And that would be why they let it happen, not out of incompetence, but out of uh, just trying to get uh, achieve their goals. But other elsewhere, it talks about Benghazi and who was behind Benghazi. It says the blind sheikh who is in U.S. custody right now. So it gets a little screwy. But I want to take a step back and remind you of a couple of shows I did earlier this year. I thought these should have been the mainstream media huge uh, revelations on what uh, what really happened in Libya, and and the mainstream media basically ignored it. And what it was was these revelations, hidden audio, stuff like that, that Hillary, that Gaddafi offered to step down. He said, uh, I know that if, if I'm taken out and my military is taken out, Al-Qaeda is going to take over here. We're going to have, to- it's going to collapse the system. I care about this country. Let me and my family go. I will tell my military, I will tell the structure to stay in place for you and help you with this transition. And that way we won't, the country will not fall to the radical Islamists. Hillary wouldn't even talk to him. So these, these are leaked documents that came from high ranking military guys who were trying to negotiate and then when they finally got the pieces in place to have a sit down, the State Department said, no, I'm not even talking to them, proceeded to uh, absolutely obliterate the country, obliterate it. Uh, hundreds of bombs were dropped. Reports are that they were dropped on things like water treatment facilities, schools, infrastructure, crazy stuff like that. And I really couldn't figure it out when I when I first heard this and was trying to piece it together. And I used what you might be familiar with the term Occam's razor. The razor that takes away everything that's impossible and what's left, even if it's unlikely or you don't want to believe it, has got to be the truth. And I used Occam's razor and got to where it was cronyism. I said the only reason to take this guy out and level the country when he would have just stepped down would be to to level the country if what you really wanted was to give out rebuilding contracts or sell bombs or take over the oil facilities like it, there would be no other reason and it's so base it's so like a classic cliche politics but also horrible that people would kill and die for that stuff uh but still i had to had to recognize that the best thesis the best hypothesis was that that this was all cronyism on hillary's part and i said this in like my january 31st show or maybe it was february 1st something like that then this week, I read this, uh, it's International Business Times, I just posted it on my Facebook page, but I think it's reported elsewhere as well, that Hillary, this is the, the title of the, of the article, Clinton Foundation donors got weapons deals from Hillary Clinton's State Departments. So it talks about how uh, the State Department under Hillary Clinton actually uh, increased these deals and uh, the the beneficiaries were people who had hired Bill uh, for speeches or donated to the Clinton Foundation from defense contractors to foreign uh, governments and others filling the coffers of the Clinton Foundation, which has been a lot in the news lately about how low their payout ratio is, that they take a lot of money in, but they don't actually distribute a lot of money. And it goes back to some of the Uh, revelations about Bill Clinton in Arkansas, and I think it was a documentary called The Clinton Chronicles, 
where he was like your classic political machine with dummy corporations and pass through entities. It was a convincing documentary. I did not do my own research on this stuff. But as this stuff comes out on Hillary, it fits that pattern. And it also fits in with my Occam's razor thing of this has to be cronyism, as crazy as it sounds. But then the rabbit hole gets a little deeper because at that time when I did that show, there were a lot of really aggressive accusations by some very legitimate people uh, in government and intelligence, or at least formerly, uh, pointing to things like um, Mike Rogers, who was the congressman who was the head of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, which is a really super powerful position, uh, and that his wife was instrumental in her private capacity um, for who was going to guard the embassy in Benghazi and uh, ended up being this February 17th Martyrs Brigade, which is associated with Ansar al-Sharia. And that shortly after this broke, that these guys somehow were associated with the security failure there. Mike Rogers announced he was going to step down. His wife resigned from her firm, all quietly enough. But there was the most, the most aggressive accusation at that time, I remember reading, was that that, uh, if you really wanted to be sinister about it, maybe Stevens was set up on purpose because he knew how bad it really was. He had been the guy before he was ambassador who was distributing arms to the guys in Libya, the rebels, a lot of whom were Al-Qaeda and stuff. So, And then they say that what he was kind of in front of, like literally physically in Benghazi, was like a weapons stash that they were sending through Turkey into Syria. So this thing was really deep, really ugly. And then when I read these new Judicial Watch documents, uh, they had all the same names. They said, well, who was behind Benghazi? The blind sheikh who's in U.S. custody, uh, this Ansar al-Sharia, which is, uh, you know, um, a known ally of the February 17th Martyrs Brigade, which were the security that kind of uh, uh, abandoned their posts and let Ambassador Stevens get killed. I mean, it's very clear that there was something very wrong there. And all of these entities are kind of brought together in some of these documents. And I was also a little alarmed when I saw that it was the blind sheik in U.S. custody because he was he is in jail here for his part in the World Trade Center 93 bombing, which there is uh, some really irrefutable evidence that the FBI had operatives in there. And so who knows what what his relationship really is with the U.S. authorities. And when you see stuff like this that says we use radical Islam for our purposes, and then you see this guy was uh, behind Benghazi, you got to wonder where all the dots are connected. Uh, and I and I feel like I have connected a few more dots on on. ISIS, which I think is like a multi-layered thing. Some is in our control and some is not. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. Take a couple of more calls. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. As the work week starts, the chance of rain increases. So you got to stay tuned as the outlook and the forecast Change. Listen to WSB for updates on the weekend weather, which is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And we are talking about uh, 
stuff that came out this week that I really, you know, if you could trust the mainstream media for highlighting the truth instead of rolling out a narrative, it would have been uh, absolutely a you know, week-long scandal about the U.S. support for what became ISIS and also for the funny business uh, behind Benghazi. So I'm going to get into that a little bit more. I'm going to talk about how this report kind of illuminates to me what what we're really dealing with with ISIS, which isn't a nothing. It's something, uh, you know, I am worried about, but I think... Uh, didn't Confucius say the first step is to call things by their right name? So we're going to try to do that at the bottom of the hour. Right now, I'm going to go to Alan in Atlanta. Alan, you're on with Monica. Hi there, Monica. I really like your show today, except I think uh, instead of ISIS us worrying about, I think the Chinese are a much larger threat than ISIS will ever be. They're building islands in the South China Sea. Their navy is increasing exponentially. Alan, I got to ask you something. Take a pause. I have to ask you a very specific thing about China. It's something I'm literally puzzled over. There is a lot of evidence that, let's say, the Rockefellers or whatever um, big institutions have helped China develop their technology, their weapons, stuff like that over the years. And now China is in a much better position than they would have been in had they just tried to get this way through communism and stuff. Do you are you aware of any of that kind of both sides against the middle with China? Oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll bet that the uh, Clinton Foundation has received quite a bit of money from the Chinese also. Did you do you remember scenario here? Hold on, hold on, Alan. I get to talk first. I <laughs> just kidding. Um, I think that Bill uh, didn't he get a huge fee to speak in China and like threw America under the bus? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. I forgot about. I don't think that was the Clinton Foundation. I think he just got the money. Anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go. You got like a minute. Okay, real quick. Think about this. Uh, China decides it wants to invade Taiwan. It goes ahead and does it. Our troops try to move in. They have all the islands of South China Sea to defend it. All of a sudden, China comes over and says, well, you know, if you let us have Taiwan, we may just oversee one or two trillion dollars of the debt that you owe us. Do you think that the United States government would not throw Taiwan under the bus? Well, didn't they kind of throw them under the bus in the 70s when Carter withdrew yeah. our protection yes, against our treaty with them? It's only a time before China takes Taiwan. And like I said, when it happens, we're not going to do a thing about it. Yet, you know, they've got us all over there in Iran and Iraq, and they're doing all this. Well, China, you very inscrutable, taking its time, setting up its pieces on the chessboard, and getting ready to take it out. And like I said, people just are just not paying any attention to it. Yeah. Well, Alan, I would say this is an opportunity to really go down the rabbit hole, which if you I often quote Zbigniew Brzezinski, the national security advisor to Carter, because he gives us a lot of real information about what the power elite is up to. And one of his quotes, which I read recently on the air, was that the goal of the Trilateral Commission, for example, is to normalize, to regularize the kind of rules among the East, Europe, and North America so that there can be a gradual convergence among the three. I would sure like to know what's in that uh, Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership deal. We're not allowed to see it, but my guess is it's going to foster this, and that really it does undermine U.S. sovereignty. That's scary. More to come on The Monica Perez Show. 
Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hi, I'm your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. So we are in the home stretch. I still have a pile of things I would love to share with you. And uh, but one thing I've promised and I'm going to get to in the segment is that uh, I think I have some insight into ISIS and how the different layers work, even though this week we got a revelation that um, and it's not it wasn't 100 percent news to anybody that the our arming the so-called moderate rebels in Syria bled over into this ISIS uh, debacle. But these this document had uh, us foreseeing, our government foresaw that in 2012, absolutely foresaw exactly how this stuff was going to unfold. I always think foreseeing is much harder than planning, you know, predicting. If you was like, oh, they predicted it, maybe they planned it. I don't know. But whenever I see something that's like an uncanny prediction from somebody who actually has power or in that camp, I am a little skeptical. Anyway, they saw what would happen in Iraq. They saw what was happening in Syria. That's what these documents uh, tell us. But I think it also gives some insight into what what is uh, what is kind of scary about ISIS. I'm going to get into that. I have a couple of calls I want to get to first before I change gears. So let me go to Tim in Loganville. Hi, Tim. You're on with Monica. Hey, uh, Monica? Yes. Oh, it's uh, it's Ken, by the way, not Tim. But uh, oh, hi, Ken. That's fine. I just thought I wanted to know if you had heard anything about people trying to live um, off the grid and whatnot, and how like the government's trying to arrest them and stuff like that, and what your thoughts are on about that, and what you think the future holds for such things. I am aware of people want to live off the grid. I actually read a big article in the Wall Street Journal a while back about a new congressman at the time. It was new Massey, who I think is standing shoulder to shoulder with Justin Amish or Amash, however you pronounce it right now, against the USA Patriot Act, which is in the home stretch to be renewed this weekend. I don't uh, know what's happening right now, but Massey was a guy who had made some money and built like a nice house off the grid with generators and stuff. That's awesome. And I'm aware of this. Uh, you know, I think of it as kind of arm in arm with the sovereign citizen concept. Um, I don't think it's really a movement, but just recognizing your sovereignty as a citizen, which is the foundation of American exceptionalism. It's a description of our country and not an except doesn't mean we have or an exception to the rules. It means we're an exception to the foundation of most countries is the sovereign citizen. So I, I'm, I think living off the grid is awesome in a way, not practically speaking. I totally couldn't do it. I'm a complete city girl, but in theory, I like it because I actually sometimes, you know, if I really think hard about it, have kind of a moral problem with contributing. You know, we really, when we, when you add up a sales tax, property tax, income tax, you're probably paying half of everything that you produce to, to, uh, promote a government that takes that money and takes people's rights away, drops bombs, I would say, in many cases without justification. So I almost think, you know, you could have a moral obligation to step off the grid. Uh, I think it's I think they're they're after us, though, after people who think like that. Not I don't know about people getting arrested, but I, I noticed with Obamacare, you can get in big trouble if you don't live on the grid, at least to the extent that you register with Obamacare. What do you think about that angle? Um, you know, that that is like a government thing. It, maybe you want to call it a crutch or whatnot, but I just see the technology advancing so quick that it's becoming 
quite easily for almost your average show to, you know, say, hey, I want to live off the grid. And so you think we could stay ahead of them? I mean, you can go on eBay and buy, like, solar generators for, like, $1,000. And what what is your... Um, what do you like about it? What's your what do you are, are we do you want us to infer like a bigger implication? Like, do you think it weakens the government? What are you saying, or just gives us personal liberty? Um, no, I'm not trying to say it weakens like the government. I'm trying to say that it's just people just want to do what they want to do and live best for themselves. You know. And what and what do you do? Like, grow your own food? In a garden. Ah, oh, that's so collect hard. rainwater, and if you want to live by the sun's energy, I mean, who says you can't do that? I have always thought I would like to have a dairy farm. Like, if the chips started to fly, the one thing you could get animal protein without killing the animal and just convert, you know, hey, because I could not really never grow anything. I have a brown thumb. But I going so fast. Yeah. The system that we've been built upon over the past however many hundred years, it's growing too quick that the technology disrupting the system it reminds me of a quote I read or something I referred to a couple of weeks ago about Patrick Henry said when he was objecting to the Constitution and defending the Articles of Confederation he said the Constitution is too centralized what we need to make sure is that people remain connected to the land or their liberty will be in danger and I hadn't understood it for the longest time and now I realize that if you're connected to the land if you can feed yourself you have a level of independence that um, you otherwise really can't have. I mean, I am on the grid, and I'm I'm vulnerable because of it. Um, Thomas Jefferson had that same viewpoint versus uh, who was the Adams? Uh, maybe John Quincy Adams. They had they were both conflicting people. You know. Yeah, John Adams. I actually have Quincy. I think was the son, but I have. I just bought the Jefferson Adams letters. And I hear that it's the most important read in uh, if you care about the philosophical and intellectual foundations of this country. And I'm really dying to dig in, but you really have to have. <laughs> you can't have kids screaming in the background if you're going to read something like that. Anyway, that was a little bit of a digression. I'm okay with it, though. I'm going to go to Adam and Marietta. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Uh, first time of calling in. Um, I just wanted to put some information out there in regards to China, what their actions are doing out there um, in the South China Sea as far as the Parcel Islands and the Spratly Islands. Um, I think a lot of people are getting a misconception of what they're doing out there. Not saying that I agree with them at all, um, you know, as far as a government standpoint or from the country standpoint. Um, but China is not the only country that is actively trying to build um, bases out there. China is just simply the most successful at it thus far. The issue that comes in is China is trying to, they're trying to control more territorial waters. So in order to do that, in order to islands or the Parcel Islands as their own, they have to have people living on them uh, in order for it to be, as far as international law is concerned, for them to be able to control those waters, they have to have somebody living there. So the best way of doing that is to build a base and move forward from that. Um, you know, uh, subjectively speaking, it's no different than the United States building a base in Japan or the United States building a, a base in Guam. You know? Well, I think it's a little bit different because uh, if you look at, like, the principle of the Monroe Doctrine, I think it's that's the one where... 
they say that their sphere of influence should not be violated by foreign powers. So if you talk about Guam or Japan, that's, you know, and that's kind of, I would argue, beyond strictly our sphere of influence. Now, of course, you know, the world is a small place, but if if, China, if you were to consider sovereignty as, uh, you know, valid, a valid notion still, wouldn't China really have more of a right to to um, recognize its sphere of influence in the waters around it than we would have to di- dispute it? I mean, I'm no expert in this, but... I mean, you know... I, I think that they do have more power because you have to take a you have to take a look at each country's you know naval force, and China is you know in relation except with the exception of Japan, China is the most you know powerful force navally speaking um, in the area, and so they're they're trying to expand from it. I mean nobody you don't hear anybody making a fuss or you know hitting the the top of the news when China sends a couple of ships down to do anti piracy uh, missions off the coast of Africa. You know, because they're they're just trying to help out. They're trying to expand themselves globally um, to be on the same scale with the United States. So I can understand why they do that. Um, Once again, not saying that I necessarily agree. Yeah, I... Here's the problem, is that we no longer have the moral high ground politically because we're basically some weird combination of socialism and fascism here now, which really bums me out because... I, as a, even though I'm a hardcore libertarian and I think that the modern state really cannot be trusted, I acknowledge the value of the American experiment, the Bill of Rights. I mean, if that's really what we had here, I would be, um, you know, overjoyed. But like I grew up, my parents, my mother to this day, won't buy anything made in China because she objects to communism. She objects to political imprisonment, all that kind of stuff. So I, too, like you, I'm not advocating for China's rights because I don't even consider that a legitimate um, system because it does ignore uh, what I consider to be the fundamental revelation of the American experiment is that the citizen is sovereign and that kind of totalitarianism repels me. But if you want to talk about real politic or whatever, you know, this is an arm's length, you know, it's like uh it's on, you know, they are, they are going to, they are going to try to flex their muscle. But as I said earlier with Alan, I'm, I'm under the impression that behind the scenes, this power elite has been fostering the, uh, the economic transformation of China. And and that's when I start to get a little murky on how things are really going to shake out. Even with Russia, I was so surprised that we are really, truly at odds with Russia, that uh, and we are, we really are. I, I think so. But I that for the longest time, it looked like this Brzezinski plan of the trilateral, the three um, pillars were were designed to bring East and West together. Which, of course, you know, is the final step before a world government, which they have openly stated they want. Now, maybe you think that's a thought from the past, but it looks like we're still headed in that direction. But let me see if I can squeeze in this thing about ISIS. So in these documents, it said that the blind sheik and other guys, (laughs) um, uh, I'm really changing gears here, but that the blind sheik and other guys were training people in Libya, training radical Islamists. And the FBI here has been known in their sting operations to find like unstable people and radicalize them in order to... Uh, make a big bust and get support for certain laws, whatever. So it looks like that's what they're doing over there as well. 
Uh, so you've got these guys at the top. You see pictures of like McCain and um, Al Baghdadi, if that's really true. You see the blind sheikh who supposedly was behind Benghazi, even though he's in a prison in the United States. And then you see these training camps where uh, these guys are running those. And and then you get this documentation from Judicial Watch saying that we promote these radical guys because it will help us unseat Assad in Syria. And I think you have a combination of real danger and uh, and our one side, um, one hand not knowing what the other hand is doing. And then I think there's another layer, which is there is real civil wars in this country, real civil battles, struggles in this country, in these countries, Libya, Iraq, Syria, that uh, we paint as being ISIS-driven, but really aren't. It's really a struggle for control among the actual people there who don't like uh, the puppets maybe that we've put in or don't like the power vacuum, and we don't like them because they are a grassroots, you know, real um, danger to our ability to control those governments. So we paint all that stuff on the brushstroke of ISIS and, and overinflate what ISIS is responsible for. So I think it's like a multi-layered thing. I'm not not afraid of it. I just think we need to know what it really is that we're dealing with and recognize that rather than escalate, if we would just pull out our support of it, it would be a lot less powerful. And a little truth would go a long way also. Uh, anyway, I'm going to wrap it up after this. Uh, you are listening to Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Temperature outside the studio right now is 82 degrees. Tomorrow's high is 84 with a chance of rain 40%. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And I am going to give the last word to Don and Marietta. Don, you are on with Monica. Yeah, how you doing, Monica? Good, how you yeah. doing? Every time I hear the president or anybody say, we're here to make you safe. Who's going to make us safe from them? You know, it's like, you know, we got to trust in them to to do everything for us. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's like we can't think for ourselves. We can't. They're going to make us safe. You know, and that's that's very suspicious. That's very if we're going to hand over everything to these people to govern our lives, to tell us what to do to to. And you know what, they, they, they talk about freedom this and freedom that. You know, it's all talk. It's all talk. You know, you don't know who to trust. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I would say, if you can follow this, if I can put it succinctly, we will be safe. You know, if you, if you, I'm a girl, so I don't think like this, but men, like real men who know how to do things, fix stuff, uh, fire a gun, you know, if you if you have experience in the world, the guy I talked about living off the grid, if you have experience in how to live, how to defend yourself, how to use your wits, and that that experience comes from life, responsibility, experiencing consequences of your actions, learning from your mistakes, that's the kind of thing, plus uh, a good cache of weapons, that's the kind of thing that keeps you really safe, that you can really be confident that nobody can mess with you. And that's why I think that those things are the very things that the government undermines so that we then need them. Like what's happening in Baltimore. They pull back on enforcing the law and then everybody's in danger. And what are you going to do? Cry out for the government to help you because we've been disarmed. They've been dumbed down. 
You know, I think you're onto something. Yeah, but but you know, I just came from the VA hospital, right? And I I actually felt that they were examining me, that they weren't they weren't here to solve my problem. Like they shot like radiation in my arm to look at what's inside of me, and I never had that done in California. You know, it's like they're experimenting on me. Or, or, or you know, will this work? Or you know. What will happen to him, you know? And yeah, I don't, I don't know what that's about, but I will tell you what you're telling me is a symptom of a total breakdown of trust at every level of every of your doctor, of your of your school. I mean, that's how I feel. I don't trust the media. I don't trust the schools. I don't um, trust necessarily what the doctors tell me. I agree. That is a bit of a crisis. We continue this conversation all week. You can catch me on Twitter at Monica Perez Show, my Facebook page through my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And I'm here on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.